We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 205 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside the fan favorite. You know him, you love him. He's back for another week and possibly a guest appearance on tomorrow's roundtable for exclusive to subscribers only. The fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. Lord Foster, how are you? Magandan hapon. Um, I'm good, thanks very much. How are you? And I'm just fine. Thank you very much. And we have a very special guest joining us today. And hopefully after today, he will not be too afraid to come back again. Marty, would you like to introduce your guest that you've lined up for today? Well, this is a very good friend of mine. Well, I like him. Vince. Vince and I worked together in the uh, out in the UAE, and he's now in a much warmer, beautiful place of the, uh, of the planet than I am. And Vince, over to you. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me on. I hope I don't let you down. Um, yeah, so I've known Martin for must be close to 20 years now. It's getting that way, isn't it? It's about yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe 15, 20. My goodness, yeah, we are getting old. We're getting old. So <laughs> Aging gracefully. Um, well, you are, clearly. Uh, I, I'm just falling falling apart at the seams. But um, it's because it, if, um, you know, we hadn't been separated by jobs, careers, and geography, we'd still be training in the gym five days a week, which was really, really good for me. You know, um, and I did that, and it did make me laugh. No, it made me smile too. <laughs> did it make you smile? Because yeah, I, it, I've always um, kept fit by doing whatever job it was, and maybe a bit of martial arts here and there. I'd yeah. never been one for using the gym, but certainly our little regime that you put me into out there in the UAE, five days a week, one body part a day, and then half an hour swim and. The best bit was the, the the way in which my swimming improved because to begin with I looked like a a drowning um, seal uh, and then by four months in I I was nearly keeping up with you which was really really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. No, you, so, you did it. You, the the improvements in the pool were massive. I got in the gym yeah. too. If you remember yeah. when you started. But the trouble is when you start something like that you can always do more than you perhaps should. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I remember not being able to straighten my arms when we'd been on the preacher bench <laughs> doing curls <laughs> and having to walk around like something off of um, Tracy Island, one of the, yeah. what were they called? It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, I digress. I've tried to pick up the yeah. uh, the slack of getting him back into physical 
activity since uh, he's been back and he doesn't listen to me. Uh, maybe it's because I struggled when he, I struggled when he lived in the building next to me. How are you doing it from where you are? <laughs> well, I'm doing my best to try and be a uh, a good friend slash motivational speaker at the same time. And That's... he, yeah, he just doesn't uh, doesn't quite listen to me all the time. But I've Everybody... been five six no, days no, a week. No, no, no. Everybody needs good examples, uh, role models to follow. And you two both constitute that. It's just that I've never been very good at following anything. So, um, you know, you're doing your best, but I, th I think you're fighting a lost cause. It is entirely possible. I don't know. We'll probably have to get Ned's expert opinion on that because he does shout at you more never than anyone else, I think. Uh, Well, okay. Yeah. Ned, Ned is also a very good a example and role model but for totally different reasons totally different reasons okay well uh vince would you like to uh tell the listeners just a little tiny bit of a of a backstory i'm sure that we could probably spend the entire podcast on your entire backstory but just a a small little sampling of your cv and what you've accomplished over the years and what you would like to get into today as far as any kind of topic and you know we can just take our cue from there okay um originally from south wales in the uk Normal childhood, left school at the age of 16, 17, joined the army straight from school. I did 24 years in the army. The age of 41, when I was due to retire, wasn't too sure what I was going to do and was luckily offered a job in the Middle East in the United Arab Emirates, working for the government. So <clears throat> went there originally on a 10-month contract, 2004. We arrived in December, started in January, was supposed to be leaving in October, left May. Uh, just short of 20 years there contracts rolled on and on i think the the biggest the biggest challenge i've faced since then is actually leaving that place fully retiring now in the philippines um a lot of people say it's a struggle to leave the military and become a civilian um i think marty may agree or disagree i don't know when i left the military in the uk and went to the UAE, that we were surrounded by like-minded people all ex-military so it was as if i'd just taken a uniform off and a suit on um, it's not until I've finished until I'd finished there and I was I'm now here, Philippines, where I can decide what time I get up, what I do during the day. That it's it's taken a lot longer to get used to. No, you're you're right, Vince. Um, being out there with like-minded people, but I find found myself, and I, this is not all about me, but I found that the fact that I'd been in Civvy Street for a little while because I, I retired from the armed forces, taking voluntary redundancy, is that. I had actually learned some skills that some of the other people who had just got out of uniform didn't have, and that's mm. how you cope with civvies. Mm. Um, and and you, you have to admit that the way in which the UAE armed forces operate and behave and who it's made up from are much more akin to civilians yeah. than, than to our military. So if you wanted something doing or someone to do something you couldn't just say get that done sunshine i'll be back to have a look in mm -hmm. a minute you had to you know hold them by the hand and and go through the task with them otherwise it simply didn't get done um and, and i think everyone who was out there and stayed out there learned that after a period of time um yeah. how to you know people skills everyone's people skills improved uh dramatically and and it's like Nowadays, uh, with my report writing, I have to put, I still put people's excuses in for them. That way they don't argue with what's written in the report because you've put all their mitigation in. Yeah. And, and they, and they don't, um, they don't fight against it. They just go with the recommendations. So that, I mean, that's what I do these days. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I thought you made a really good point there. 
that we were amongst like-minded people. And whilst it's getting whatever was done between us as an organisation was fine because we had that military discipline and snap-to-it kind of attitude, but it was those extending skills to other parts and the customer, shall we say. Yeah. I think one of the things that benefited me as well was at, at the end of my time, probably the last five years, I did a um, extracurricular teaching qualification, which was in colleges and universities around the UK. In One was in Andover and the other was in East Anglia, which I think you know yeah. quite well, Martin. Yeah. I, do. Um, I, do. I, I think I found that beneficial because when I sat in a class of 20 people learning how to be teachers, and these people had their own um, areas of expertise, and they were we were told hand in this particular paper on this date. The, this is the subject. This is what you've got to do. So we did it, and we handed it in. And then out of the twenty people, five, ten of them just didn't hand it in. And I thought, how how can you not do what the teacher told you? And it's just the way civilians work. Um, yeah. And it, it, one girl who was doing yoga, and the, the excuses, I, I couldn't believe them. <laughs> There's no way I can write this yoga? paper. Is it an excuse she, for she was, yoga? She was a yoga instructor. It was about the time the government realized that there was lots of people teaching in further education colleges that weren't qualified teachers. They were there because of their expertise in the field. So she was teaching yoga in the college had no teaching qualifications so there's a lot of academics uh sure. academic work and research you've got to do on teaching methods methodologies the history of of um teaching and difference between te- teaching and training and we were given subjects to investigate and and write in line with our particular discipline she just said it's impossible i can't do it you have to tell me exactly how to do it i thought and this woman was you know a, sort of a, a leftist-looking, sandal-wearing hippie yeah. who taught yoga <laughs> and wanted to be told exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to get a passing grade. I was shocked. And that kind of attitude of, it's not really my fault if I don't do it, was very similar to those, some of the people I met in the armed forces in the in the Middle East. It's a yeah. it's a hallmark of, of that type of an attitude where they, they believe that they're just kind of above everything and they just they always yeah. constantly shift the blame to someone else and there's never any self accountability. No, but knowing how to teach is it I think it in whatever job you do, you some you'll wind up doing a skills transfer or a knowledge transfer with a, a colleague, a, a, a new starter or whatever. Because I did a similar course. I did the the Sir Ed, not the postgraduate Sir Ed. I did, yeah, yeah. I did the certificate in education. And when that was combined with all the defence systems approach to training stuff that I'd already done, it sort of closed the loop on it in, in terms yeah. of, you know, you don't stop learning. But it, it completed that package so yeah. that you can apply those things learned in the cert ed to training you're developing or roles that you're analysing uh, or, or whatever the situation might be. So yeah, it was very very useful. Uh, there were elements in the in the civilian teaching things like how to motivate your students, and I was again sitting there going, "Why would you need to do that?" Because for the for the fifteen years I've been instructed in the army. If they were motivated, then then that was their issue. And if they failed, they failed. As long as I had the data to back it up, there was no need to motivate people. But it's like play, playing rugby. You, you don't need to motivate professional rugby players because if you do, they shouldn't be in the team. That's true. But I had this, um, this situation with my son um, out in the UAE. Uh, his geography teacher said it's very difficult uh, to teach. He keeps asking why he needs to learn this. And I said, if you, as a teacher, 
can't uh, get across to your student why they need to to learn something that you're putting in front of them, then you shouldn't be teaching the subject. And again, you may disagree with me, but uh, inside an L spec, a learning specification, the, the yeah. yeah, what why. You know, why you have yeah. to learn this is stated right at the start of, yeah. of that period of instruction. And eighty percent of the reason why, yeah. Yeah. So if you do that as as a teacher or instructor, formal or informal, explain why it has to be learned, then hopefully the individual takes that on board. But I, I say that I wanted to get it out while you were talking about the yoga lady. Did her downward facing dog eat her homework? Is that what happened? <laughs> Have you got a copy of my father's joke book? Because that's <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I dad jokes, I love them. L- l- luckily, she yeah, but it was all classroom based, so we didn't we we submitted what we did to the teacher. We never actually saw what other people what other people would teach. In fact, what I found interesting was one of the people were there was a guy called Patrick. He was a driving instructor, and he had to go on the course because the driving instructor's qualification you get isn't a formal qualification, wasn't a formal recognized by the government. So all driving instructors, or wherever he got his qualification from, having qualified probably thousands of people to drive, wasn't recognized by the government all of a sudden. That's a bit, yeah, yeah they, they do that, don't they? they? Occasionally, they just pull the rug out from people's feet. Mm. Uh, it's... Oh, probably getting off topic. Not that we're even on a topic yet, but um, <laughs> we're going to get there eventually. We'll we'll, but... we'll we'll get there. But hang on, brain fart. It's it's just all gone out of my head. No, that having was having the rug pulled out from underneath of you. Having the rug pulled out from underneath you. Wiring every couple of years, they they bring out a new set of regulations for electrical wiring and installation. And yeah. again, with plumbing and, and gas fitting and all those sorts of things. And all these people who are already very qualified, very experienced uh, electricians, plumbers, gas fitters have to requalify at their own expense because mm-hmm. most of them are, you know, self-employed. So they have to pay for their own course to, to get this qualification. Otherwise, they're not allowed to do their job. It's mm. it's absolutely ridiculous. That's one of the things that's really upsetting me. And I bet you've got the clip lined up, haven't you, about with uh, the guy on GB News with the forum with Rishi Sunak? I do have that, yes. Yeah. I just was looking for a way to uh, <clears throat> segue it in there somehow, yeah. But this is what upsets me. The government are spending our tax money as if it's theirs. So... The um, and we'll, we'll get to it, I'm sure. But the compensation scheme for the uh, vaccine injured injured is coming out of taxpayers' money. It's not coming out of big farmers' money with the billions that they made out of selling the snake oil. So anywhere where the government inverted commas gets to grab more money from the populace really grips my shit. Anyway, that's all I want to say on that for the moment. We'll get back to more later. Do you want to start with the clip from uh, the exchange in Parliament with Bridgeton to prove that Sunak said that all this was safe and effective and then get to the GB News Forum? Or do you want to go straight to the GB News Forum? I'll just ask. I I think it's actually, yeah, with him saying it's safe and effective. Let's hear it out of the snake's mouth Just put it into context. Yeah, just bring it all together. So, all right, we'll start with that. So this is 
Andrew Bridgeton in uh, Westminster talking to Richie Sunak, Richie Sunak about uh, saying the vaccines are supposed to be safe and effective. Andrew Bridgeton, thank you, Mr. Speaker. More than two decades ago, the then Prime Minister, Tony Blair, misled this House by promoting and endorsing the Post Office Horizon IT system as perfect, <coughs> protecting the large corporation that created it and causing untold harm and damage and misery to innocent people. Can the current Prime Minister think of anything he has promoted in partnership with huge businesses as safe and effective, which has ultimately harmed the British people? And will he use this opportunity to correct that safe and effective statement, or will he choose the same line as Tony Blair, sit back, do nothing, and let the misery just continue to pile up? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, as we've been clear, the Horizon scandal is a terrible miscarriage of justice and we're doing everything that we can to make it right. Uh, to what he was more broadly insinuating, let me be unequivocal from this dispatch box that COVID vaccines are safe, Mr Speaker. You know, he let that prick off the hook there, really, because I th- I, I bet that uh, Sunak thought the next thing that was going to come out of Bridgeton's mouth was... Uh, and just how much of uh, Fujitsu—I can't say it. I can never say it. Fujitsu does your father-in-law own? But he didn't say that. So uh, I imagine Sunak breathed a sigh of relief, and then he could just come out with the stock statement that it's safe and effective until he meets this chap. Hi, Rishi Sunak. I've got so much to say, but such long time. My name is John Watt, and I'm one of the COVID vaccine injured in this country. I want you to look into my eyes, Rishi Sunak, and I want you to look at the pain, the trauma, and the regret I have in my eyes. We have been left with no help at all. Not only am I in here that's vaccine injured, there's another man over there whose life's been ruined by that COVID-19 vaccine. I know people who have lost legs, amputations. I know people with heart conditions like myself, Rishi Sunak. Why have I had to set up a support group in Scotland to look after the people that have been affected by that COVID-19 vaccine? Why are the people who are in charge, who told us all to do the right thing, have left us all to rot and left me and the thousands and the tens of thousands in this country to rot? Rishi Sunak, look me in the eye. When are you going to start to do the right thing? The vaccine damage payment scheme is not fit for purpose. In Scotland right now, according to the yellow card system, there are over 30,000 people that have had an adverse reaction to that vaccine. And okay. deaths. J- John, thank you very much indeed for your question. It's time for you to start doing the right thing, you've, Mr. Rishi Sunak, and the rest. You've, you've, you've made a really strong point, John. Prime Minister. Yeah, John, well, I'm... Very sorry to hear about your personal circumstances, and you said someone over here also seems to have suffered by the similar by a similar thing. Now, obviously, I, I don't know about the individual situation that you're in. We're silenced. Well, I don't. Social media and everything. We are silenced. We are the most silenced people in this country. Silenced in the press because my story in the press. Okay. Had to go to the government for comment, and they made take all the stuff out. Forgive me. Forgive me both. I know I'm happy. I'm interested in that. No, no, no one. Okay. John, no one. No one is saying. No one. Oh yeah. Okay. I've lost my house, my wife, successful career. And sir, you raised some very valid points. I'm sure. What I've got to say is though. We haven't got you on microphone, and as you know, we've got to get through this. 
I'm sure we can we can raise your points with the Prime Minister at a later yeah. date. But in the meantime, Prime Minister, if you yeah, could no, cover the I'm, issue. I'm, I'm very happy to. So look, there is a vaccine compensation scheme that's in place, as you alluded to in the NHS. Obviously, everyone individually will work through their cases. It's difficult for me to comment on anyone's individual case. I'm sure you'll appreciate that. I'm very happy to go and look at the cases, and I'm sure you'll get them to the team here. I mean, I, I'm very saddened and shocked to hear that you've been silenced by anybody. That is surprising to me. So please do get your details to Stephen and the team, and I will happily take that away. Of course, you should be able to speak about your experience, what's happened to you. And as I said, we have a compensation scheme in place for that, and I'll make sure that we're working through that. Obviously, I think you'll appreciate it's hard for me to comment on your specific circumstances, just not knowing them and those things. That... Forgive me, sir. We haven't got a microphone on this, so our viewers and listeners won't be able to. I think look, the, la the last thing I'd say is, uh, you know, we went through a pandemic like everyone else. At the points when it came to the vaccine, those decisions were always taken on the basis of medical advice from our medical experts to tell us as politicians, who are obviously not doctors, about how best to roll out the vaccine, what was in the public health interest, the priority order, how that should be done, who should be eligible. That was something that the doctors recommended on, and that's something that we followed. Now, obviously, if there are individual circumstances which haven't worked out, then that's why we have the compensation scheme in place, and I'll make sure that we follow up on your cases. Okay. He bores me. He bores the shit out of me too. Sorry to be so foul-mouthed, but when it comes to that bit there by Sunak, what he was doing was getting his excuses in first. He was putting all his mitigation forward. It was the doctors who told us to do this. It was Sage. Well, we know that Sage was made up of about 60% behavioural scientists, not virologists, not doctors. In the majority, it was people who could explain how a populace would react under lockdown. And that's who they were taking the advice from. And it was all based on making as many people as possible put that poison into their veins. And the very fact that there is a compensation scheme in place tells you that the vaccine wasn't safe. And I'm going to shut up in a minute, but just today it's come up that uh, one of the local sort of group leaders in, a, in an organisation called Andy's Man Club, which is all about men getting together to talk their problems through. It's a place to go. It's, it's trying to address the high levels of suicide in younger men and middle-aged men. He died uh, of a heart attack and he was a fit young man. He was, you know, just in his 40s, not overweight, and he has recently died. And I am dying to find out, no pun intended, you know, whether he had any pre-existing conditions, whether or not he was fully vaccinated and boosted. But you can't ask those questions because it's not the right time. The guy has just passed. So um, I'm going to be looking into that. Was this a Radio 2 presenter you're speaking no, of? No, no, that, that's, that's Steve Wright. This, this guy is, is not famous. He's did a lot of good work in, in the local area for Andy's Man Club. But Steve Wright is, was 69 because he, he was a Radio 2 DJ. He was uh, overweight, definitely, and not, not the fittest of people. But um, I'm still quite surprised to hear that he's died at the age of 70 because he was on the radio still producing his shows up until last week, I believe. Vince, would you like to weigh in on any of what you just heard there? That was quite a bit. <clears throat> it's it's not that I've got a defeatist attitude, but you get weary of this because when it first kicked off, 
nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how to approach it. So I would give all politicians across the world a certain amount of, not rope to hang themselves, but allow them to make mistakes and to feel their way. After about the first six months, we knew that people who were older were at risk and people who were younger weren't so much at risk because the data was there. But the data was ignored by whomever for whatever reason. But when you dig down and you follow the money, it's because the drugs companies were paying people to keep the things quiet. And even now, there's excess death numbers are coming out across the world. There are massive um, increases in excess deaths. And that's taken into account those people who would have would have died of COVID anyway, or would have died of COVID as as the reason for dying. But it's all being swept under the carpet. And they're saying we need now we this is not the time for recriminations. We now need to look forward. So it's it doesn't matter who you are, you can shout as loud as you want. The career politicians are just going to ignore you and they're just going to carry on looking for the next distraction that they're going to focus on, whether that be climate change or a proxy war in the Middle East or um two proxy wars in the Middle East, or any number of virus X or pandemic X that's on the horizon. And these are all things just meant to distract you. And it's not distracting me. I'm just so weary of it that it's a terrible thing that happened to those people. And I hope it doesn't happen to me or anyone I know. But there's there literally is nothing we can do because other people, lots of, the only way we could get rid of these people is to vote them out of, out of office. But people just don't do it at the, at the, at the election box. For some reason, uh, I don't, and I don't know why. That's something that we've been saying for quite some time. And, and that level of fatigue with the whole thing, uh, mm. I've experienced that as well. We had a, what was, what was his his profession really? Was he, was he a psychologist? or The the guy who talked about the oh, dissident yes. voice. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got his book here. Uh, Matthias Desmet. Uh, he was the, yeah. Yeah, the psychologist from uh, Ghent University in Belgium. He, he was going to gonna, him, yeah, not, he was gonna come on the show. He was going to come on the podcast and we were going to talk to him. I had a series of questions ready to ask him and he, he shot through on us. Fair enough. That's his choice. But I think despite the fatigue, that dissident voice has to be maintained. I think, you know, he, he was right in certainly in that respect. No, people don't vote these corrupt politicians out because they have got too much invested in society as it stands. And that constant sinusoidal swing between left and right here in the UK, Labour Conservative, Labour Conservative, the occasional, you know, uh, collaboration between Labour and the Liberals or the Conservative and the Liberals, and it, it nothing ever really changes. And of course, you've got a mass-produced set of bought and paid for politicians in waiting to just step into the shoes exactly exactly yeah so so it is it it is fatiguing and it does seem pointless but i think i couldn't i couldn't lay straight in my coffin when i come to it if i didn't continue to speak out about it uh but that's that's just my angle oh no i i, I think you're right we we can i do continue to the, the, the people that are on the side of the politicians, the friends I know, quite a few Americans as well, um, who want to make excuses and carry water for them, I will continue to criticize them and say, but what about this and what about that? But there's beyond that, there's not really much that the, the we as the as the undermensch can actually do, is there? Like I say, the only thing well, we can do is change the managers. And how are you well, going to do that? You've got to vote them out. The system's well, rigged. 
Who are you going to replace him with? I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you, and I'm not advocating for anything. But the filthy American in me says, if the ballot box doesn't work, we reach for another box. Yeah, box of ammunition. Yeah, <laughs> praise God, pass the ammunition. That's what we say. Yeah. So speaking of your your <clears throat> pigeonholing response there, uh, Marty. So labor conservative, labor conservative. I have a clip here of who is quite possibly, and I hate to say this, quite poss- quite possibly the next prime minister of the UK if there is a general election. If Keir Starmer actually makes it, then this is what you could be faced with. And here it is directly from the horse's mouth. You are a busy man and we're going to let you go. You've got a lot to do, but we'll end on a quick fire because obviously we wouldn't be a podcast without a quick fire. So um, let us just ask you quickly, you have to choose now between Davos or Westminster. Davos. Why? (laughs) Because Westminster is too constrained. um, And you know, it's closed and we're not having meaning. Once you get out of Westminster, whether it's Davos or anywhere else, you actually engage with people um, that you can see working with in the future. Westminster is just a, a tribal shouting place. Um, you're an ass. There you go. You're an ass. Davos is just a larger tribe, isn't it? Just- yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. <laughs> the other presenter was then about to say, you're an Arsenal fan. But it just when you cut it off, it just said, yeah, but then, you're an you're arse. An arse. Yeah, but, well, that's, that's fair enough. But then he goes into talking about uh, his relationship with Piers Morgan, and I just don't care about Piers Morgan. No. The, the thing is, we've also seen video of Keir Starmer uh, working out on a heavy bag in a boxing gym, haven't we? And I've never I seen... I tried to find it. I tried I've, to find it. I couldn't. I've, I've, I've known transsexuals um, <laughs> with stronger wrists and, and less limp-wristed punching techniques than Keir Starmer. I said to several bosses that um, I don't enjoy being uh, subordinate to people who are not my intellectual equal or better. And I usually then follow it up with, but I'm okay working for you because it flatters them. When it comes to Keir Starmer, I could not have, he may be my intellectual better. He's obviously far better educated than I am, but he is, he's no man. He, he's not even a very good woman if he wanted to be a woman. He's, he's just a useless human being. He spent his time and made his money out of fighting cases, you know, human rights cases, the majority of which are people who do not deserve asylum to get asylum in the UK. That's how he, uh, and I think he wound up as the director of uh, public prosecutions at one point as well, and made some very, very serious mistakes while he was uh, in in that role as well. He is not anyone who should be anywhere near uh, the the role of prime minister of the UK. And for that matter, nor is Rishi Sunak. So what choice have we got? I I hate to say it, but even if we revitalised Cat Weasel and got... Uh, what's his name? It'll come to me. Boris Johnson. No, not Boris Johnson. <laughs> David Who Cameron. do I mean by Cat Weasel? Tom Purdy. <laughs> Tony Blair. This this is where this, this is where I'm showing my showing my Gordon age. Brown. And no, I'm naming no. all the pri- the past PMs. I'm, Corbyn. Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn. Oh my goodness. Yes. Corbyn. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe we need to suffer a little while with uh, 
an utter cockwomble like him in charge just to break that cycle. You know, the, the, the machine has to be fully broken before we can strip it down and repair it or rebuild it in such a fashion that we can get rid of all the crap, all the built-in redundancy, all the, all the dead wood that was already built into the system. I mean, the very fact that you've got Cameron speaking in the House of Lords as the Foreign Secretary because he can't speak in the House of Parliament because he's not an MP. The very fact that they've done that, that mm. they, they've they made him a, given him a life peerage so that he can be Foreign Secretary. That is just so corrupt and so incestuous that even the hardest of thinking should start to see through that if you guys have nothing else to say on that subject we can move over to the uh the middle east vince i'd like to get your thoughts on what's going on out there uh as you know spending as much time as as the two of you did out there i'd be happy to hear your insight uh as to what you think about what's going on in the red sea and everything in the region again it's it's a difficult one to try and you there's no right answer to what's going on there's no way that you're going to be able to get any kind of logic as to what happened if you if you're talking about the um the palestine israel no i was, in the I was actually no actually i was i was that i agree with you on that there's there's no kind of answer you're actually going to come to but uh i was more talking about the events in the red sea and what's going on with the the houthis out of uh operating out of yemen and the conflict that's that could go even further getting into lebanon and with I, hezbollah I'm, i haven't i haven't i haven't really looked into any of that or heard like i say now that i'm where i am oh, in I the philippines I actually watch more American politics because um, <laughs> I find it far more interesting on YouTube and Rumble rather than watching the mainline media. Um, and the, okay. there All doesn't right. seem to be that much interest in that at the moment. All How right. long has that been a thing? Um, that's been that's escalated ever since the Israel and Palestine conflict kicked off. That was just something else. It was um, uh, the Houthi rebels out of uh, Yemen, which, of course, are backed by Hezbollah, which are backed by Iran. They started attacking uh, maritime operations in the Red Sea. Uh, and then, of course, there's been responses from I the did UK see. And there was a, there was a ship with um, some Indians. So the, there was a, I believe a so, tanker yeah. with Indians that were captured. Yeah. That That's really all I saw. Yeah. And that they were that they were defeated. Well, we can get into this then. Uh, if you follow American politics, uh, I did see mm -hmm. this. This came up yesterday. Uh, this was out of the American press clip from last night on the uh, out of the mainstream media. Uh, this is what I called you about last night, Martin. Yeah. And they confirmed to me that this uh, has to do with a threat related to space. Uh, we already have from our other sourcing um, that there has been reporting on the Hill uh, that sources here have confirmed is in the ballpark, uh, which, which is that it has to do with a, an emerging capability from Russia that would be of grave seriousness, um, potentially, but that the threat is not immediate. Now, Congressman Mike Turner, who chairs the Intelligence Committee, put out this notification uh, that he is asking the Biden administration to declassify this information and calling on members of Congress to come and view this information in the SCIF uh, because it is of such grave concern. The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, was in the briefing room today and appeared to be taken off guard that 
Turner made this information known through a press release saying that he was actually planning. He had offered to speak to Mike Turner himself tomorrow. Uh, and so he was surprised that this announcement came out uh, before he was able to go to the Hill and, and have that discussion with Mike Turner and other members of Congress. We're gathering from reporting on the Hill, uh, members who have come out of the skiff talking to reporters saying that, you know, they can't talk about what it is that they have viewed, uh, but expressing a lot of concern about it. And when Sullivan was asked, will the administration comply with Turner's request that this information be declassified so that these robust discussions with our allies and partners that Turner was saying need to happen can start. Uh, Sullivan said, of course, you know, in the past we have done more than any other administration, he says, to declassify information and share it with the public when it's in the interest of our national security and that you wouldn't find an unwillingness to do that in this case if it were in uh, U.S. national interest. But it, it sounded like from the briefing they weren't ready to do that yet and really weren't expecting to face questions on it today. So we are working our sources. Uh, and what we have right now is a Pentagon official telling me it has to do with space. Um, other sources confirming Hill reporting that uh, this has to do with a, a Russian capability, emerging military capability, but that the threat is not immediate in nature and, and Americans don't have to be concerned about their safety at this given moment. John. Ja Jackie, John just pulled up actually a, a press release from back in 2020, if you can believe this, where uh, Mike Turner actually put out a statement when he was on the House Armed Services Subcommittee um, about what could be what you're talking about right here. Um, he said basically uh, this was after uh, the U.S. Space Command said publicly that it had evidence that Russia had conducted a non-destructive test of a space-based anti-satellite weapon. That was July 15 of 2020. And back then, Turner said, I strongly condemn Russia's space-based anti-satellite weapons test, the latest in our adversaries' aggressive behavior against the United States and our allies. It sounds to us, uh, again, with very, very little information coming out of either the White House or Capitol Hill right now, that this might be exactly what Mike Turner is now trying to get declassified. Uh well, we'll stop there. Thoughts? I'm, I'm going to go with a possible EMP. That's, that's my guess. Well, given how behind the Russians are in terms of technology, they are behind us. But we, we, we shouldn't be complacent about that. The fact that their test was non-destructive <laughs> probably means that it didn't work. But could this be, and this is just my cynicism coming out here, could this just be a prelim to an excuse to cut a whole chunk of our freedoms out by removing internet, satellite, uh, navigation systems, and all those kind of things by our own corrupt government? And could again, be. question, not, not, not a statement. Uh, it, it could be. And it could also be what I had previously covered with you privately, uh, the fact that we actually gave them that technology in the first place. Uh, back in 2009 uh, through a business deal with a company called Uridium. Uh, and I'm in the process of, of trying to disseminate all that information. But uh, I don't put that past them. Not at all. Not, not one bit. We, we gave them that technology. And then we turn around after they reverse engineer it. And we say, oh, no, that's a threat. Well, yeah, we gave it to them in the first place rather than demand accountability for the people that actually did it. So the newscaster that just spoke there, I thought she said 
uh, was it satellite to satellite? So it would be one of, say, oh, Russia's satellites oh. destroying American or European satellites, or was it would be satellite to Earth? That that they did not specify. They did say that, well, they didn't specify satellite to Earth, but they did specify that it could be an anti-satellite weapon yeah. of some kind. So I honestly, I, I don't know. And I've actually heard the same thing. Uh, we've actually accused the Chinese of being able to do something like that, similar uh, similar to that. I, I don't know. But this concept of satellite warfare is not new. This I've been reading <laughs> literature recently. This has been this has gone all the way back to like the mid 60s, uh, this type of technology, this type of stuff. So this is nothing new at all. Well, this would be one of the reasons that, that Trump brought up the subject of and was ridicule for it, of the Space Force, that where, where the left started going on about laser guns and Flash Gordon. And he was saying, no, no, it's not that. It's probably about, this was what he was talking about, was if you can disable any number of American satellites, you can shut the country down. Or European satellites, you could shut Europe down. It would be crippling. And of course, the great big balloons came from China. Mm. But um, as w when we last spoke about that, I said the one thing that putting those massive weather balloons across the whole of the continent of North America was that every single tracking station uh, would have gone active. And um, look there. Yeah. And look, it's there, 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 there. Everything would have, you know, warfare, electronic warfare is all about knowing what your enemy sounds like in terms of uh, radio frequencies, um, you know, noise signatures, those kind of things. And, yeah, taking out the satellites, if that was their aim, would disable uh, a great deal of the any country's or continent's defence capability. So it is something to be, to be concerned and um, proactive about, but... I mean, this goes back. Reagan, uh, didn't he have the Star Wars program? Isn't that what he it was did. called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, don't don't sell stuff to people who are really your enemies. This is where capitalism fails. Communism fails because no one wants to live under communism. Capitalism fails because you're too ready to sell things to other people. So it, you know, both systems have their flaws. I'd still rather live in a capitalist society than a communist one. So best someone sorts their shit out and does something about this. I was talking to an American friend about the the Chinese balloons and how I think it was two or three went past, and the the, the guy there was or the lady there was saying that someone in the government has said we would bring this to the attention of the American people if we thought it was in the national interest. Well, the balloon saga, which was in the news cycle for at least a few weeks. Nothing's come out about that. No one's said exactly where they came from, what they were for. And an American friend I was talking to, I said, what it could have been is a massive distraction because when that by someone like China, because as Martin said, all of the listening posts and anything you've got to see what, what was going on was focused on that. It's looking at that shiny object. What are they doing somewhere else? Because your focus is now on the balloons floating over your nuclear uh, where the nuclear arsenal is planted in the ground in the, the northern part of America. What are they doing somewhere else? Because that's not where you're looking. Yeah, he said, no, yeah. no, they, they flew the balloons over and... Um, we didn't bother to shoot it down until it got over the Atlantic. I think they yeah. shot the second one down over over American soil. The, well, we don't know if it they was the first one. one or the second one. There was one, there was something that was shot down. I have video of it there somewhere. There was something that was shot down near Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana. But the, Montana, yeah, they, they officially said, the DOD officially said within hours, they said, no, there was nothing there. 
So it, mm. clearly you can see something crashing back down to earth. We don't know what it was. I, I remember, mm-hmm. sorry, after you. I was just going to say, although Montana's a, a wild, sprawling place and the population's fairly well dispersed, people would have seen it and they would have wanted to talk about it and they'd have been kept quiet. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to keep smaller communities quiet. Big metropolises, you know, the, yeah. the, the news will get out, but um, widely dispersed populations are easier to um, keep control of in, in terms of um, information. But I remember being on the tools just after I'd left the Navy. I was working in a factory. I was building cable harnesses and all, all the, the ele- electrical bits for Perkins diesel engines. Um, and there was a, an, a, a, a thing on the news about something happening at Porton Down yeah. uh, at, at the research centre. Yeah. And there was this thing on the news about it. And then I went home in the evening expecting to see something on the uh, evening news. Not a word. Complete Mm. D-notice on it. Everything shut down. No more information about this incident that had happened. And that's what security services and governments can do if they want to. They can shut the news down. Uh, Mm. And we've seen it happen time and time again. And when you look at when you look at the definition of fascism, government controlling the media is one of the facets of fascism, and people yeah. don't seem to uh, seem to understand that. They they don't see it. Also, that fascism and communism are just the left and right wing of the same uh, toxic bird, really. Mm-hmm. And none of us should be living under those 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 kind of regimes. But we've allowed ourselves to. Because, well, for a start here in the UK, we haven't got a Second Amendment and we're fairly powerless because, I mean, the biggest gang in in the UK is is the combined police forces, aren't they? That, that's the biggest gang. It's You know, they, you remember when Tommy Robinson was quite big in the UK and he was caught, you know, there were, there were marches in the large cities. But one of the reasons that was profit for, the, for, for keeping him quiet was that if they had a mass demonstration in, say, London, the police could handle that. And if they couldn't, they could call someone police for Nottingham. But if if there was enough large demonstrations in each of the larger cities, the police would not be able to handle it, and they would lose control. They'd have to call the military in. Yeah, they, they yeah. were. That's one of the things they were worried about. That's why they 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 did what they did to shut him down as quickly as they could. He is in court. I think he was in court yesterday uh, because of the he turned up to work as a journalist at the rallies for Gaza. And the actual people who said he wasn't allowed to be there were the Jewish community. The British Jewish Council said they didn't want him there. So that's why he got arrested, dragged away, pepper sprayed, beaten up by... They had the the snatch squad there ready to take him out as soon as he turned up. And uh, he's in court again for that. But he he is... uh, He's maintaining quite a good profile... Um, in alternative media, and yeah. uh, and the outcome of of the court case, obviously, you've got to expect there to be some corruption. That the the judge will do what the Home Office tells them to do. But I'm I'm kind of hoping that there might be one or two judges left in the country who act upon their conscience and and on the law. That is the rule of law, not what they are being dictated to as law by are totally corrupt government. Until it goes to appeal, and then the appeals court can yeah. turn yeah. it around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're used to... Uh, we haven't got that 
double jeopardy law anymore, have we? I think they've repealed that, they've changed it. So if you were tried and found not guilty of a crime, you couldn't be tried for the same crime again. But that has changed, obviously, with the way in which uh, modern forensic evidence can be gathered and historical cases where modern forensic methods have brought new evidence to a case, people are being tried again for things that they've already been found not guilty of. So, uh, which, which I actually I don't completely disagree with. No, nor do if, I. If you know, if someone's accused of rape and there's there's not enough evidence, so he gets away with it, and then DNA. Uh, profiling 20 years later say no there it is you you did it then i think that they they could be charged again because it's new evidence i don't think you you can charge someone again for the same crime if there's no new evidence no uh, but the trouble is with how little trust i have shall we say or um you know law enforcement uh for the government these new batches of evidence that i've just got a real big question about Mm -hmm. it I, I don't disagree that if there's there's new and certain evidence that suggests or or not even suggests says that the person found not guilty was actually guilty, then there has to be uh, another trial and the guilty bastard wheeled away. But yeah. it's too easily corruptible. Yeah, it's true. Well, and given the fact that we have evidence that you, well, so-called evidence that you can now doctor up with the advancement of AI, I mean, you can make anybody mm-hmm. look like anything now. Yeah. And I mean, Vince sent me a video the other day of Donald Trump stating that it was a try. It was definitely a try. And he's going to remove <laughs> France from NATO. And I invented rugby. He invented rugby. Yeah. <laughs> Did that that wasn't a particularly good one, but there are some, there are some terribly, there are some really, you've got to look carefully. There's one of Joe Biden giving some speech. And the only reason that people could say this is not fake was because he was speaking so clearly and so yeah. co- coherently, you know, and it was, it was six months ago and they said it, it can't, they said it was a um, hot mic moment. And it's like, no, that, it was his voice. You could tell it was him, but it's people said that that's not the way he speaks now. And Greta Thunberg talking about vegan bombs and environmentally friendly missiles. Mm. You know, another AI bit of fun. But these bits of fun are very revealing. They show you what can happen. Everything now is on video. If it kicks off in the street, people don't rush to help or stop it. They get their phones out. Which is a good thing sometimes. It is, but it reminds me of a, an incident a while back, quite a long time ago, before phones had, you know, really good cameras on them, if at all. There was someone getting a right kicking in the middle of the high street. And when people looked up because of the screamings and groans as this guy was getting a kick in, the person doing the kick in started calling him a pedo, saying he's a pedo, he's a pedophile, he's getting what he deserves. And you can kind of say that to anything. The moment you say that, people stop and think twice about going to somebody's aid. Um, You you can make any kind of claim. These ad hominem insults and uh, stuff that the left uses against anyone who speaks out against their narrative. Uh, And it can just be used as an excuse to divert attention away and remove people's will to intervene. And yeah, even if it's only for a a split second where you you name someone or you you label them a misogynist or a racist, just long enough for people to pause and stop 
and then it's out of the news cycle and it's all forgotten because the actual reason that people were angry or, or the real content is all forgotten because they used the dog whistle of racist or misogynist. That's that's it. That's it. That is exactly it. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say on that subject other than well, just be aware of it, people. We are winding down here, and uh, it's been a it's been a fascinating conversation, Vince. I hope you'll come back and see us again sometime. You of know, course, we try to, no problem. Try to keep these back. You're you're welcome here, you, and anytime you have, you always have a seat here. We can work out the times later. I know it's you know you're in a different part of the world. Uh, the last few minutes here, would you like to tell all the listeners about your YouTube channel and the fact that you are a published <laughs> author and the books that you've that you've been involved with? I don't really want to talk my book, but my book that was a long time ago, and it's a it's a very boring book about. Well, I'm um, curious about it. I'll be. To. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. I'm curious. We can talk about that offline when we finish up here. I'm happy. It's, to... Yeah, it's more it's more of a technical manual than a book. That's okay. That, I read so those it's... all the time. That's yeah, fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, but my my YouTube channel. So I think when I left the army, much like Martin, I was fairly fit and adventurous, and following the rules of nutrition, which was to eat low fat meals and to eat lots of vegetables and pasta and all those kind of things. The, the American food pyramid, if you like. And I found around the age of 45, I was going to the gym, as mine knows, five times a week, training for a good hour, but still gradually gaining weight. And I, and I didn't know why. And I went to see doctors and they said, oh, it's just part of the aging process. It's, it happens anyway. You, you, you tend to put on half a pound a year. And I thought, that can't be right because there are people I know who, who aren't in the same boat as me. So I started investigating nutrition and finding out that actually the American food pyramid is actually upside down. It should be the other way around. And it was all the way up until the time, Ansel Keys is the is the is the man with the the blood on his hands. The reason that grains, pasta, rice, bread became the base and the and the majority was because America were massive producers of those particular crops. So I I went on to the keto diet, low carb, high fat, and more or less reversed all the problems I had. I lost a lot of weight, became healthier as I was, and and at the age of sort of. Uh, 50, I was feeling like I used to feel in my 30s. And that investigation then continued on into dietary supplements and things like that. Uh, and one in particular, which is NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide, which was discovered by a doctor called um, David Sinclair. NMN is a precursor to NAD, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, that's in all of our cells and gives us energy. It's the thing that boosts our mitochondria and keeps us, uh, keeps us going. As we age, that naturally declines. So this is a way of boosting that energy level as you get as you get older, you go back to what your youthful levels were. There's another enzyme called CD38 that also raises as you get older, and this also attacks NAD. And there's there are certain supplements you can take to do that. So what I'm doing is I'm documenting my experiment. So at the age of 55, I started to take NMN. I also then learned about vitamin D, which is not a vitamin. Vitamin D is actually a hormone that controls thousands of molecular processes in the body. And if you speak to someone who's getting on in their years, and I won't say um, that that's us, but it could be. If you were to say you've got low testosterone, people would start to talk about TRT straight away. But if someone says you've got low vitamin D, they don't care. But actually, vitamin D is a, is a hormone and it, can, I say, it controls thousands of different elements of the body. So I take certain supplements. I get a blood test every three months. And all I'm doing is I'm, I'm monitoring my progress as I go along. Um, I'm monitoring my sleep, my heart rate, all those kind of things. And I make videos about how I progress. I thought it was just going to be taking NMN, boost my NAD, and everything would be hunky-dory. You then find out, actually, it's, it starts with nutrition. So it's, it's reversing the food pyramid. It's eating a nutritious whole food diet. Now, whether that's 
carnivore at one end or vegan at the other. It doesn't matter. What it doesn't matter is you don't eat all the processed crap and tins and packets that's in the middle. Then there's sleep, exercise, you know, good quality exercise, sleep as in monitoring your sleep through a proper tracker as opposed to going to bed at 10, waking up at 6 and thinking you've had eight hours quality sleep, which is what I thought I had till I started tracking it and recording the data and then looking into ways of improving deep sleep because deep sleep is where all the regeneration and the the cleaning out of all the, the plaques in the brain happen. So I'm five years in. With my blood test, there's there's online tests you can take, which you put in certain blood markers and it then works out what your biological age is. So my chronological age at the moment is 59 and I'm 60 in April. My biological age started off roughly within about a year of what I was. Now, the last time I did it, I'm now biologically nine years younger than I was. You didn't see, you didn't watch that video, Martin? No, I didn't. Uh, I think he's about to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, a lot of what you're saying there is really ringing home. And um, Oh, we're going to have to have a discussion about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll be catching up on those, certainly, mate. Sorry, I haven't done by now. I, I feel guilty for not doing so. Well, Vince, where can yes. people find your YouTube channel? So the YouTube channel is called My Longevity Experiment. It used to be called My NMN Experiment, and I think Twitter may be still called that. But when I realized that it's not all just about one supplement, it's about the pillars of longevity and putting that right in reversing or slowing down the aging process. There's a lot of people that will call people like David Sinclair and, um, and other uh, PhDs, Rhonda Patrick. Andrew Huberman, they'll call them snake oil salesmen because they're they're selling longevity or the ability to reverse aging. They're not. What they're saying is we're just going to slow it down. That you you don't need to be getting the diseases of it. Diseases of aging used to kick in with people like mid to mid to late sixties into their seventies. People are now getting dementia in their forties and fifties and cancer and things like that. When you look at the spike, it happened in the late eighties when everyone went to the standard American diet. We don't eat bacon and eggs for breakfast anymore. We eat cereals, which is full of sugar. It's learning all that and being able to ignore what the media are telling you, ignore what big pharma are telling you, ignore what big sugar are telling you, and actually listen to your body and be able to um, put it right. And as the years go on, and I gather more and more data, as my chronological age increases slowly year by year, my my um, biological age or my epigenetic age is dropping. So hopefully one day I'll be 10 years younger, which I suppose yeah. if you look at it, both my parents died, 80, 81, 82, that kind of era. So they smoked all their lives. They had terrible diets. So I'm looking to get that, at least that. So if I was to die 80, but my biological age was 10 years younger, then there's a chance I could yeah, get 90. Yeah. I could make it to 90. So I'm not too it's sure. In- it's interesting. I, I've actually, I've been observing something of, of what you're talking about. And I, I don't know if it's related strictly to diet i think it would just i would go maybe just a step further and say it's an entire lifestyle that's been you know wrapped Absolutely. around yep. everything yep. because i see people that are 10 years younger than me and they look 10 years older than i do oh i know it's terrible it is terrible. It is absolutely terrible. I had somebody last week tell me that I looked, I did not tell them my age. I just asked them, I said, what would you guess if you had to guess? And they guessed 10 years younger than what I am. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I do what you, what you're talking about. I eat the whole food diet. I, don't, I stay away from like all the fats. I don't eat anything processed. I don't do any like the refined sugars or anything like that. Yeah. I don't even stick to like the alternative uh, sugars or anything like that. I don't, the yeah, stevia and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, all the same garbage. All that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah. 
Um, anything soy related, I stay away from that because most of that's yeah. like genetically modified and, and our bodies cannot process it correctly anyway. Uh, and mm -hmm. it breaks it down into a form of estrogen. And it's just, I, I feel like a doormat yeah. anytime I eat anything or take a supplement that has that in it, but we can go on and on about this. Uh, and I can tell you kind of, you know, what I'm doing now and, and, and whatever, but mm. we can't give like actual like doses and, and things like that of what we do because everybody's biological makeup is different and you know that could be absolutely yeah and, and that's the whole reason that mind's an experiment is that i'm so so my testosterone level at one time i think i was to be about 56 57 my testosterone level was the same as a teenager in fact it was when i was in abu dhabi i think yeah, that, you, that you, was <laughs> we, that, i think we is this the superman well, punch you're going to tell me about yeah, yeah 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 do you remember that night in uh, we're in Blitz, and the bouncers asked us to get rid of these two enormous Africans who were, you know, not welcome anymore. And one of them who was sat there in a chair, I think he'd pissed himself. I picked him up by the neck and I started to march him towards the door, at which point his mate came from the entrance and you leapt over my shoulder and Superman punched him <laughs> on the way out. I don't remember this, actually. I don't. Oh, I, I think remember. I, you you tell me about that, and I I remember I was in church that night, so I I, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. can't okay. believe I yeah. don't believe that. Sorry, I must I be mistaken you with another Welshman called Vince. Okay, there was two. There were two of us in in Abu Dhabi at the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with all your fitness and both of you being uh, a lot healthier. <laughs> and fitter than I am, I find this to be bullying. I, I I need to go to my safe space and hug a blanket and rock on the floor for a while. Right. Well, we will but go not ahead. before you've had another cigarette. That's right. Oh, yeah, I've got just, coffee as well. Yeah. Coffee's good. Have Coffee's... One, have one cup I've, I've got lots of uh, scientific studies that show coffee, coffee not with milk or sugar or sweeteners, black coffee, decaffeinated coffee, um, actually improves cardiovascular disease, lowers all-cause mortality. Three to four cups a day is the, is the sweet spot. Right. Now, they're well, all epidemiological I'm, studies, but I'm probably on about ten cups a day, so that's probably doing going reversing the the good thing. No, no, it's, it's the, the only the only negative side is um, it can disrupt your sleep, which you do need. So it's like diet, sleep, exercise, and nutrition. Yeah, you don't want to affect your sleep in a in a bad way because that that's that's anti aging as well. And the other thing is um, fibril arterial fibrillation. So some people are susceptible to that, although it's. It affects the lower chambers of the heart. It's the it's the upper chambers of the ones that can actually cause damage. But it can give you the the as if you drink too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get that. But you drink you you drink it with milk? Not all the time. Most of the time, oh. actually, I have a decent coffee, black, um, yeah. you know, filtered coffee. But occasionally, I do have milk if it's instant. So instant well, coffee. Yeah, I know. It's just convenient, isn't it? Freeze dried Look, stuff. That's like that's a survival situation kind of thing. That's what you get out of like an MRE. Exactly. <laughs> I've got a jar of Nescafe de uh, Nescafe Gold in the in the just in case. Just in case, I keep a year and a half supply just in case. I've well. got yeah. I've, I've just I've just broken into a, a five pound bag of Valhalla Java from um, Deathwish oh, Coffee. Good, yeah. It's, oh, it's fantastic stuff. <laughs> I've got a fridge. I'll say I'll, I'll send you a picture. I've got a fridge in the at the back which is full of coffee beans. If that runs out and my two coffee makers break, I've got a jar of coffee in the in the cupboard that I can turn to. Uh, yeah, you're sorted. That's excellent. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to have to go ahead and conclude this as, as fun as this is. And next time, Vince, perhaps we could actually get into some of that. I did not know that until just now. So perhaps yes, we can no, more, discuss more that in happy. detail. Yeah. 
later on. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and we hope to have you back really soon. It's been so, great. I would love to come back, yes. Absolutely. Oh, thank you very much. It's It's been our pleasure. So for those of you who are interested in supporting us, we would appreciate it if you would consider becoming possibly one of our paid subscribers. You get access to additional content where you can hear Marty uncut in all his glory <laughs> every week. So uh, we will go ahead and jump out of here for the day. Uh, the link will be in the program description for our subscription page down below. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.